Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Chad Franzen here, co-host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done and Michael Gerber of The E-Myth, and many more. This episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. Have you had team members ask you the same questions over and over again, and this is the 10th time you spent explaining it? There's a better way and a better solution. Sweet Process is a software that makes it drop-dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. Not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life-or-death situations to run their operations. Use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time so you can focus on growing your team and empowering them to do their best work. Sign up for a 14-day free trial, no credit card required, Go to sweetprocess.com. That's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. Carlene Pan has more than a decade of go-to-market experience building, operationalizing, and launching new products and revenue opportunities in B2C and B2B industries. Most recently, she was at Videri, where she built out a new division of the company and led its go-to-market strategy and launch. She now consults for companies as a fractional COO and does go-to-market strategy consulting. Carlene, thanks so much for joining me. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, so tell me a little bit about the uh, consulting that you do, and then we'll talk more about what you did for Videri. Yeah, so I have a non-typical background where um, I think early on in my career, I graduated college, didn't know what I wanted to do. And I realized I was just kind of working on a lot of random projects. And I realized that the main um, alignment between all these projects is I'm always solving problems. I'm also always helping companies get to market. Usually founders are hiring me when they've missed every single launch target date and like, we needed this out yesterday. Um, and so I got really good at understanding how to work with companies to figure out how to get them to market. And that means I'm generally working across a lot of different uh, roles within the company. I'm understanding what the product is. I'm understanding like where we are with partnerships. Um, I'm understanding like what our marketing is. I'm really building out the very early infrastructure. I call it building processes until I'm replaceable. Um, while also like simultaneously working with like, product teams um, to build out all this infrastructure before we get to launch. What was your educational background? Uh, I majored in financial economics and sociology, which is a really good framework because economics is essentially working and really working with like ambiguous information sets and trying to figure out if we move these levers, then what happens? And then sociology is very much about understanding like movements, groups of people, which the people aspect of my job is really important. You know, I work across a lot of different industries, like B2B, B2C. And I think a very common question I get asked is like, oh, like what industries do you like working across the most? Like, what do you specialize in? And the fact is I work across so many different industries, but the thing that is the hardest is really understanding founders and mentality. And then also understanding like internal culture and processes within a company. You can you can get like a spark notes or a good summary on like FinTech or health tech or any company and really understand like, Hey, I'm working in this industry. It's new. 
it's a lot harder to kind of get this like 101 in turn, like what working with a specific founder is like, what internally at a company is or why processes are broken or what the internal politics are. And understanding these nuances and having emotional intelligence and just understanding people and how they kind of connect to each other as a dot connector, I think that's a lot harder. And only been probably like last five, six years of my career that I've realized that something that I've always known that I've had um, is probably one of my like big largest strengths. When or how did you kind of realize that that problem solving that you know tackling those big problems organizationally was something that you were good at? Um, I think it was like just talking to different people. Like when I would ask, um, like, I think when I'd be at parties, you know, working in tech, there's such a gray line between what is like work and social. Um, sometimes I'd overhear the way people describe what I did and everyone would always use very different words because I'm holding so many different roles internally, like at a company. Sometimes I do marketing, sometimes I do business development, sometimes I do um, product, but the, I realized that the one thing that was very key that people would always say is like, Carlene's, Carlene's like the best problem solver I know. It doesn't matter what you're working on. She's really good at diagnosing what the issue is um, and also making sure that you're working on the right problem. And I think that's only really come to mind like why that's important as I've been put in situations where I'm working more closely with founders on the executive level or kind of the more connections I have working internally at a company, the better able I am to kind of diagnose these problems um, and work with founders to really like help them solve them and making sure that we're working on what is most mission critical. So you uh, you were working in consultation with Videri. What, uh, why did they bring you in and what do they have you doing? Yeah, so I was hired. Um, so Videri is a B2B hardware software company. So um, in New York City, it's been the last few years that people have started seeing our product out in the wild. We are in every single New York City subway system. We are the technology partner for Outfront Media, which is the largest out-of-home advertiser in the U.S. Outfront Media is the advertising partner of the MTA, meaning that anytime you're on the New York City subway system and you see advertising, um, and that used to be that used to be um, the boards, like as you're holding on to the subway and looking at like, where's the seven train going? And you'd see a small ad for like Oscar Health. Or if you are on the subway platform and you look across the platform, you see a large sticker that says Spider-Man. Um, we are a technology partner for them. We make hardware, we make it really easy for Outfront Media to better program digital ads so that they can serve different content um, to really target exactly who they're trying to reach. Um, so Fideri was trying to build out a new division of the company. Um, they wanted to build out consumer hardware. And my, my experience, you know, working really closely with founders to build out uh, new divisions and then launch them. That's exactly what I was brought in to do. Um, so I spent that first year working and building, um, building out this new division, really turning it from a concept to figure out how are we actually going to go to market? Uh, what is our go-to-market strategy? How are we going to launch? How are we going to work um, in tandem with the larger parent company? Are we going to just work as a new division? Are we going to be a completely separate company? And these questions are really important because um, with hardware, you know, like we have the additional swim lane versus a normal tech company and that hardware has a time frame of anywhere from like one to two more years than a normal, um, a normal like mobile app that you're building. 
we're dealing with different funding timelines. We're dealing with different business models, um, different funding needs, you know, like how you'd work with B2B. Um, there wasn't an instant, like there was an instant revenue source that was really easy. That was repeatable. It's very obvious versus consumer. It's a much longer play. So these really large questions of asking, we need to really figure out how we're going to build out this company um, from an operational perspective. Um, because it really definitely is going to affect our actual branding. I think another nuance of that that's really important is because our parent company worked with advertising and it's very prominent. There's another, that was another reason why that nuanced difference of how we were going to approach building out our company and from the branding perspective, because we don't want to be, we don't want the words advertising to be associated with a consumer hardware product that people have in their homes. And that was another reason why we were really thoughtful about that. Um, so I worked on that for the consumer division. And then I worked with a larger company to um, figure out how to operationalize new product and revenue opportunities. Um, and then also spending a lot of my time building out internal processes and trying to manage the chaos and making sure that we at the parent company weren't, weren't just playing defense. Um, I think working in startups, it's really easy to kind of spend your day to day just kind of like fighting all these problems, but not thinking about the larger product roadmap, not thinking about what the larger mission of the company is, how the company makes money, because you know, there's always problems to solve. But, you know, with the limited time you have really thinking about like in the grand scheme of things, does this does this customer ticket really matter or should we be thinking about, hey, let's spend more of our time building out new features rather than fixing problems that people have kind of come in on. So kind of like changing the approach and how we worked was what I got to spend a bunch of time doing. Sure. Sure. So, uh, we'll talk about how you, you helped out with the, uh, that kind of the new, the new, um, development they were working on in a second, but you also talked about calming, calming the chaos was something that they were already doing. What kinds of processes did you kind of help implement to calm that chaos? Yeah. Um, so one thing that was really interesting is um, I remember we were working on one of the largest product releases uh, we had ever worked on. And I asked people at the company like, hey, um, can you kind of walk me through, can you just kind of show me the documentation on some of the past product products we've released? And I asked a few different people from different departments and everyone gave me a different answer, ranging from I have no idea. Like, why would you be asking me? Like, I'm not in charge of that To, I don't even know who you would ask. You really have to ask. I just know it's not my department. So people are all sorts of generally confused. I was getting bits and scraps of like documentation, but what I saw was a very fragmented process where no one was on the same page. Not, I didn't, I don't even think I had two or three of the same answers from any departments. I noticed that people were like sending release notes, like via text message to the client, I was getting like emails that I saw customer service was sending that were just unbranded, untrackable. And I just was very chaotic. And I was just genuinely very confused about everything because I just couldn't understand why we were working so hard and doing so much work, but none of it was being documented properly. And none of it was scalable. That was the biggest thing. You know, none of this is scalable. I think the way that you as a company work on things when you only have like one or two clients, it's very different from the moment you start expanding. If you could build out a process for three or four clients and you know that you can keep that same process when you're 15, 20, 
50 clients, you're doing less work. And that should be like the ideal way to think. But um, so I was really happy that I got to work with all the different departments to build out this actual release process that made sense for us internally. Um, building out like education internally at the company, making sure that we were on the same page with, hey, this release is coming out. This is what is happening in the release. Here are all the different, um, here's all the different documentation. Let's make sure we're on the same page with understand with usability. Does everyone understand what new features are coming in in the release? Um, and then documenting all this so the client can go back and refer to it so that the client's not coming back and asking us questions because if we can save the client asking us even like three or five questions a day, you know, that's quite scalable. If we have like 20, 30 different clients, that's 60 less customer tickets that we're getting a day. Suddenly we're freeing up, freeing up customer services time. So um, that was probably one of the more like exciting things I got to work on because it's such a large immediate impact internally at the company. What about building operations for the, the, the new kind of department that you were, uh, you know, brought in to help start up? Yeah. So that was really interesting. So when I had started, um, it was very much like a development focused company. So, you know, every, every few months, there's no consistent timeline of when they were doing releases. So again, it was just very chaotic. Um, they, would ship out a new version of the app, but there had been no product roadmap. Um, so people were just kind of shipping things based on new features that they thought would be really interesting or the founder would come in and see. Um, but it was my job, like I work with the chief product officer and the founder to really figure out, all right, when you say you want to launch, what does that mean? Like, what is the ultimate goal of the company? And it makes a difference if you were trying to tackle and say like, we want to be a $100 million company, or we just want to be this like fun idea, this fun accessory that people buy. And we know we're not going to make that much money. Like these goals are really important. So I can kind of time and make sure that our product and our business and our marketing timelines all kind of match up with that timeline. Um, so essentially the first thing I did was really figuring out the gaps of like, Hey, what different departments are we going to need to build out to get to launch? Obviously, we don't have customer service. We don't have someone who understands like growth marketing. We don't have anyone dedicated to actually doing partnerships. Um, like I mentioned customer service. We need a dedicated person to doing operations. We need um, we need someone to really like understand. We need someone to really like own and understand like the market competition. So there are all these different gaps that we have to really figure out like what they were and then figuring out, hey, at what stages are these different roles? Like when, when are they really important? And then figuring out, is this full-time staff that we need? Or is this like contract agency agencies or like that we can hire? Um, and then figuring out like milestones of, hey, what are the different milestones we need to hit before we get to launch? And I realized, oh, we've never actually internally tested what our actual product is. Like no one internally at the company could really like describe to me what the product is. And I was actually really surprised that a lot of people actually didn't have the hardware besides like access to it in the office. But if this is a product that we are selling for people's homes, you know, um, you should really understand how people are living with it because seeing a product that's in the office that you have access to and are seeing in the background is very different from, hey, this is a product that I have at home. Just like if you were to work at Alexa 
and you were working at Amazon before they had launched, the way you'd be using Alexa would be very different in the office. I highly doubt you're saying Alexa, play music as like you're eating your lunch versus Mm -hmm. while you're cooking. So very much like very similar to that. So figuring out what these different milestones are and then making sure that, um, I would say another thing I really did was, oh, sorry, my music's playing. Um, my Alexa started. I was, playing. I was, I was really wondering if that was going to happen. Um, I have, I have an, like, a, I forgot that I have a daily alarm, like every day around this time to remind me to go on a walk. So because the sun's out. Oh yeah. Nice. Um, so really, I would say like another problem that I tackled maybe six months in is after I built out all these different functions and built out what the actual go-to-market plan was and figure out what our beta launch plan was to really test drive and figure out what these gaps are. Um, the next thing I really do is just trying to figure out, all right, here are the, like the resource gaps I really need. Like how much money do we actually need to launch? And going to the founder and saying like, hey, you've talked about what you want for launch. And if we are launching with 50,000 units versus 100,000 units, this is how much money we're going to need. This is the timeline that we need to match with that. Because again, we're hardware. So I'm going to need at least nine months or 12 months um, of a heads up before we can actually start selling it to the public, you know? So it was really interesting to work on something that had such large, that had so many different swim lanes and thinking about things that were very like physical, physical being the actual hardware that we're selling, but then the digital aspects being, you know, like the product and thinking about that entire experience end to end. So when you are kind of implementing uh, all of these new things, how important is documentation? You, you mentioned it a lot when you're, um, you know, trying to calm that chaos. What about when you're doing something new like that? So important. Actually, the first document, I think one of the documents that I need that I use to get everyone on the same page from like a bird's eye level perspective, I think I called it Carleen's like go to market Bible. I think I literally put Bible in the name of it because it was just that important. And I wanted people to have this document open at least once or twice a week so they could really understand how we were tracking our progress towards go to market and this larger um, timeline. Um, documentation at this company was something that wasn't really prioritized um, or really appreciated before I joined the company. I remember asking people very early on my first week, asking them, hey, can you show me like where things have been documented? And I was shocked to find that there was no documentation. Um, there was no documentation into like, hey, this is what we're working on. This is what we are hoping to release at the end of the month for this mobile app. Um, instead, I did see documentation after things had been shipped, meaning that when the QA team finished testing different features, I saw past reports of there are different bugs that we found, but there was nothing to compare it to. So there's no metric of, there's no metric of this is how we compared versus what we thought we were going to do because that hadn't been documented. Um, And this is, this lack of documentation is especially concerning for a company that there was a 20 some, there was at least 20 something people in this division. So pretty large division, especially like people who are um, spread across remote across the world, we had people working in three different countries, four different cities. So the fact that, you know, we already know they're physically not in the same office and there was no set of like internal collaborative set of notes that people refer to was really concerning. Um, 
And the only way that information transfer really happened was if someone was doing a presentation, like every few months, there'd be a new presentation deck or something, um, or if someone took notes from a meeting, but there was no like progress that people were using to kind of have as this is, this is like the master document I'm referring to. This is the source of truth. So there was no source of truth. So what did you guys use or how did you and your staff then document the procedures once you had kind of implemented document? documentation yeah so the first thing i had done when i realized that there was a massive problem i also i spent the first month kind of observing to see how people were um how people were actually working in this absence of documentation i saw some people taking notes some people write emails a lot of things on slack there's no cohesive place and i realized that you know the company as a whole were using outlook and so we had access to SharePoint, Microsoft document and stuff. I saw that people were sending documents through back and forth, sometimes with attachments through Slack, sometimes over email. Sometimes people were sending text messages for important information, which I thought was bananas. So there was no, there was no master place. So the first thing I did was actually, I did an audit to figure out, all right, we need to adopt a cloud solution. We need to adopt a cloud solution. Um, it's, just going to be really vital to the way we operate and to see it. And um, I picked Google Suite as the right option for us. I really liked how collaborative and how you were able to like write documents in real time. So suddenly like even meetings changed, like we'd be in meetings and you could send up the strategy doc before the meeting and have people read over. You could screen share while you're at the meeting. While we're in the meeting, you can write notes within um like, hey, these are action items we need to follow up on. And so suddenly things were just so much easier that, you know, meetings were meetings were more efficient. We cut down on the number of meetings. Suddenly people all over the world, like even if you weren't necessarily in that meeting, you could go back and reference. Like everyone had access to all the product requirements. Everyone had access to here's a here's a milestone like tracker that we're using for the beta release. So everyone now had this autonomy to understand, like had better understanding of like how they were contributing to the larger company. And they could just also read and like understand things that other people were working on, which actually built this level of trust that hadn't really existed before. So that was also really exciting. Has this uh, appreciation for documentation um, is, uh, creeped into other parts of your life? It is. Um, my friends really joke and make fun of me that in so many different, in so many different ways, I'm such an organized person, like to the point where if I'm hanging out with friends, I'll actually send them a calendar invite with location, what time we're meeting, <laughs> if there's anything. And if there are any other details, like, Hey, there's a dress code for this event. Here's a link for the tickets. Um, it's all in there. And they now know that if I don't send them a calendar invite, I haven't officially confirmed plans with them. But I'm also the person who um, plans all our vacations and camping trips. And I think the best example is last fall, um, my friends and I did a trip to Acadia National Park. Um, and this is in the middle of COVID. So there's a lot, there's a lot of really strict guidelines in place. You know, like a lot of restaurants, they require reservations. Or if there's more than four people, you have to make advanced reservations. There are different opening closing times. Um, some places were outdoor dining only versus some people, some places did allow indoor. You should make special reservations for parking. Um, 
And we were going in a pretty big group. It was like seven of us plus a dog. So even though we had done this exact trip a year prior, this trip just required so much more planning versus the prior year that I put together a six page document. Everything was very well organized, like a table doc table contents where if you clicked on something, you can easily jump to whichever section you wanted to hear, whichever section you want to look at, whether it was, here's a packing list that everyone needs to pack for themselves versus here are items that we collectively as a group still need to here are all of our meal options. And this is what we're eating every single day. Um, it was organized in a really easy way that you could just click around and read about whatever you wanted. And of course they asked people what, um, like if they had any suggestions or things they really want to do. Um, I'm sad to say that most of my friends did not read it, but the ones who did and offered suggestions, I did follow and add all that to the itinerary. And one of my friends who's a product manager, he works for a pretty well-known like Fortune 50 company. He looked at the document and said, I think he had actually opened up the document when he was like in a meeting, in a work meeting, because he was so excited about it. And everyone saw his face. And he actually ended up screen sharing a document for a little bit. And everyone was saying like, oh, wow, this is more organized than our internal JIRA and all of our product release notes, because everything was like so well linked out and like very condensed. So my friends make fun of me for this, but they genuinely appreciate my skills and being able to organize and convey information very effectively. I love it. That's a great story. What, what, uh, why did you decide to make that document or, or is that just what you do? That was like your first instinct. This is honestly something that like probably took me less than two hours. And I was probably like watching TV while I was doing this. Cause this is information that I needed to look up anyway. And I needed to have one central place to put it. Um, and I wanted to make something that like everyone could have access to whether or not, whether or not they were going to ask questions for it. I think most of my friends are pretty easygoing, so they didn't really need it, but I needed a place where I could go back and reference. Um, because otherwise it would just kind of be scattered all over the place, but being able to organize a document in such a way that anyone could kind of get access to what they wanted without having to ask me questions, um, was really important to me. And that's, you know, that's also like one of like the core, um, the core like cornerstones for like when you think about documentation like if someone has no context on what this is are they able to self-navigate through themselves and they were yeah hey if uh if people my this is my last question for you if people um are looking for somebody to come in and help them scale their operations or solve a problem is there a way they can connect with you yeah um i'm super easy to find online actually they can connect with me on linkedin they can follow me on twitter um i'm super easy to find just carlene pan um, is what they would type on Google or it's just Carlene likes on Twitter. My DMS are open. So I'm super easy to reach. Um, I also like do consulting, uh, for companies. So I think the more common use cases, a lot of, uh, people come to me when they have a problem and they're really not sure, um, what it is. We're like, Hey, I just want to talk to you about something because I think a lot of times they don't know what the actual problem is. They know what they they're wrong they're struggling with a bunch of different things but they're not really able to identify what that core problem is or um figure out like what is the thing that they actually need to do and i'm a good person to kind of kind of chat through and help them diagnose what that is sure definitely i can tell well hey uh, it's been great to talk to you today carly and i really appreciate your time thanks so much for joining me thanks so much chad bye so long everybody 
Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's